Please pray with me. Lord God, thank you for the gift, the gift and blessing of this place of sanctuary, this place to escape from the cold, escape from uh, the terrors of this world and the challenges, and to come into your very throne room. Lord God, we come to you burdened down with different challenges and difficulties in our life, um, challenged by sorrow, Lord, by loss, challenged by circumstances which are difficult or confusing, Lord, by hard decisions. And we pray that you would speak to us today, that you would give us the grace, Lord, to let go of our burdens and to lay them at your feet, Lord, and to reveal yourself to us that we might know you and love you and experience your hope. Lord God, I pray that you would give me your words uh, and that you would give us the ability to worship you in unity of heart and mind, Lord, with singleness of mind. And we pray for your blessing upon this service today. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. Morning. It is great to see you all. Thank you for worshiping with us today. And I have been thinking about the idea of identity, right? And particularly, I've been thinking about it because we've received recently three letters in the mail from different groups saying that our identity has been stolen, right? The VA has been hacked, and then we've got some other credit card thing, and some other company, we bought something from them once, right? And they all sent us letters saying, your information may or may not have been lost mostly. Has you guys ever heard, does that ever happen to you? Yeah, I mean, it's become so, like, commonplace that we're like, oh, only three this year we've gotten. Only three times have they lost all my information. I mean, it's just crazy, right? Identity. And that identity, people can buy things with, they can sign up for loans with, they can do all kinds of things with that identity. But is that identity me? No. No. No, it's not. In fact, it's probably some, like, Russian or something, you know, right? It's not me. It's It depends on who takes that identity. And identity of corporations, right? Lots of businesses spend a lot of money giving themselves an identity, right? Why do you buy generic versus name brand or name brand versus generic? It's because of this identity thing. Why buy Tide detergent, right? Well, because they've built an identity around it, and, and they invest a lot in preserving that identity, or if you're a celebrity or known for your name or known for your notoriety and someone challenges your identity, right, people spend a lot of money to maintain that, don't they? They have people who scrub parts of their image or build up parts of their image. I mean, that's a job that people do is trying to maintain the identity of other people. Identity is important today, right? And that's, and then the, just us, right? We wrestle with identity for ourselves too. Who are we? What do we matter in this world? What is our purpose? Now, we might think these are distinctly 21st century questions, but apparently identity has been an issue for centuries and centuries because in the first century, identity kind of weaves its way through our gospel passage. So we're in the gospel of John, and there's two Johns here, right? One is the gospel of John that this book is, and then the other is John the Baptist. So when we talk about John, we're talking about John the Baptist in this passage, so in this book, we're in this, we begin in the first chapter, the sixth verse, but the five verses before it are amazing, poetic, beautiful description, taking us from the beginning, from the creation, to where our passage picks up. And our passage picks up with this line, 
there was a man sent from God whose name was John. Now, when you consider the way this gospel is moved in these first six verses, it's remarkable. Because you begin with this grand sentence, in the beginning, and then you get the creation, the, uh, the whole creation of light and all that lives and moves and have its being, has its being. And then you get to the man, this guy, John, a guy named John. It's kind of remarkable in just a few verses to go from God speaking everything into being and then getting this guy named John. Right? John. Just a guy. And John, this person of flesh and blood, the story of God's redemptive plan went right through him like a train tunnel through a mountain. John. And it's to this John that the priests and the Levites came. They came to this one who is described in our passage as the man sent from God. And they have some questions for him. The first being, who are you? Who are you? Now, they're not asking the same kind of who are you question that you might ask somebody when you run into them at a party. Like, oh, who are you? Right? They're not asking that because instead... We don't get really their background until we see his response. And his response is, I am not the Messiah. Now, you can try that at a cocktail party next time you're there. <laughs> right? Oh, who are you? I am not the Messiah. It might be a great evangelistic technique. I'm not sure yet. Tell me how it works. But obviously, they're asking more than just, who are you? Right? They're not just asking, what is his name? They're asking, are you the Messiah? Are you the one who is from God, who is going to redeem Israel? Are you the Messiah? He says, I'm not the Messiah. Okay, so then they move on to question number two, because I think they're working off a flow chart here. <laughs> they move on to question two, then they say, well, if you're not the Christ, then who are you? They say, what then? Are you Elijah? Is that where you were going with your thoughts? No, but there were many in Israel who were, because as you remember, how did Elijah die? Oh, there we go. Trick question. You guys picked it up right away. Elijah didn't die. What happened to him? He went up to heaven and what? Chariot of fire. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah, right. chariot of fire up to heaven. So, and as predicted in Malachi, one of the Old Testament minor prophets, in chapter 4, verse 5, that Elijah would come back at the end times. It says, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. And so they're wondering, are you Elijah? Are you the one who's supposed to come back right before, the, right before um, God redeems Israel? Are you the one? That's kind of like going to be like a sign that comes up, like exit here, right? To know that the end is here, right? Are you him? But John says, is he Elijah? Nope. Then the next question comes, are you the prophet? Are you the prophet? Now, this one's kind of interesting because it seems to refer to a prophecy by Moses. Remember Moses, the one who led Israel from slavery into freedom? Moses said in Deuteronomy chapter 18, 15, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your brothers. It is to him you shall listen. 
This was a prophecy of Moses. And so many people were looking for the messianic hope and a prophet like Moses, someone like Moses who would lead them to freedom, who would deliver them, who would be both political leader and religious leader, someone who could lead them into freedom and shake off the oppression of the Romans. And so they ask, are you the prophet? Are you the prophet like Moses was, the one that Moses predicted would come? Are you him? And what does he say? Nope, not him either, right? And their flow chart apparently is exhausted at this point. And so I think it has like a big arrow that goes back to, to the beginning, right? That says start over again, because what question did they come back to? Who are you? Right? Who are you? They're there. They're there asking him these questions because their superiors have told them, go and find out who this guy is. Go and find out what he's, why he's doing what he's doing. And that's what they're trying to do. But John replies this time to the who are you question a little differently. He says, I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord. Now, if you're in one of the Emmanuel Bible studies, you'll immediately recognize that this comes from Isaiah chapter 40 because we just read it last week in our Thursday Bible study. And in keeping with that passage from Isaiah, John identifies himself as only the voice. John never uses his name in this passage. He never says, oh, I'm John. I was born in a really amazing way, right? My father, the priest, was mute for a while and, and like he wrote on a little tablet and doesn't say any of that. No, just I am the voice. Long time before there was the TV show, too. <laughs> Remarkably, right? Uh, this opens up, then, another line of questioning. Right, okay, if you're not the Messiah, which we, which we also, the term we use is the Christ, right? One is Hebrew, one is Greek. Uh, if you're not the Messiah, if you're not Elijah, if you're not the prophet, then why are you baptizing? Okay? Does that make progression makes sense to everybody yeah maybe right because baptism right baptism makes a lot of sense in christianity but in judaism what was baptism for look at from the choir comes the answer that's right well done it was a sign of conversion if you were a gentile and wanted to become a jew you were baptized Right, if you were a guy, there was another process, too, you had to go through. Um, we won't get into that thing right now. But um, but there was, baptism was a piece of it. Now, Judaism has a normal, regular ritual bath. It's called a, the mikveh. Like, it's a sunken bath. So it has seven steps down into the water. Uh, it's with live water, water that comes in and flows out. And that's a regular part of your Jewish life. You do that weekly in preparation for Shabbat, for Sabbath. But this is different. Baptism is a different thing. Because in Judaism, it was something you did when you became a Jew. If you were a Gentile converting to Jew, you were baptized. It was a, it marked a line of crossing, right? From one place to another. Uh, from one faith to another. From one life to another. Baptism was like that sign. We, we know that sign in Christianity because that's how it is for us too, right? John was calling for not Gentiles to be baptized, but for Jews. 
And this was a significant departure from tradition, and it had a lot of baggage that came with it. Like, John, why are you baptizing? If you're not the Messiah, you're not the prophet, you're not Elijah, why are you doing this thing that we do to Gentiles when they convert and telling us to do it? Why? Well, John... He was trying to move people, not from one religion to another, not from one faith to another, but to a new person to prepare them for the coming of Jesus Christ. And his baptism was a baptism of repentance and forgiveness of sins. And he was preparing them for the coming of Jesus, this person who he identifies only as among you stands one whom you do not know, the one who is coming after me. And this person, who we obviously know as Jesus, right? John says that despite all his pedigree, despite John's wonderful birth, despite all these amazing things that have taken place in his life, John is not worthy to untie the thong of his sandal. Now, sandal thong untying, right, at that time, was a job that was reserved for the lowest person in the household. Right? Because think about it. You're walking around, dirty streets, animals using the restroom all over the place. Like, who do you want on time your shoes? Do you want it to be the person who's cooking dinner? No, right? It was the lowest, it was the lowest job. And John is saying, look, I'm not even worthy to do the lowest possible job in relation to Jesus. He is so great. I am so little. And then we get a locational verse, and that closes our gospel passage for today. It's kind of an interesting passage, huh? It moves in lots of different directions and is full of fascinating complexity. But in our passage, I think, in some ways, it's the things that are not said that make it significant. And that's because if you know the, like, the way people would communicate with each other religiously back then is they were able to, like, speak a verse of scripture. And the other person could respond with the following verses. Right? Is this how you guys communicate with each other? I don't. That'd be really, really hard, right? I'd have just a few places I could go with this. But for them, they just studied. It was like their life to know the scriptures. And so they were able to do this. And so it's important when you hear a reference to a verse in the Old Testament, in the New Testament, to think what verses are around it. What verses are going on around that verse? And for us, John's audience would have known that when he said he was the voice of one crying in the wilderness, they would have known the following verses, the rest of that little passage of scripture from Isaiah. They would have known about make the hill, bring the hills low and the valleys up and make a level place, a highway for the Lord. And they would have known that very next verse, which says, the glory of the Lord shall be revealed. And our flesh shall see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Because while John was just a voice, someone was coming. Someone was coming. And the glory of the Lord would be revealed, and all flesh would see it together. John never says his name. John never distinctly, clearly names Jesus' name in this passage. And yet they would have known that the fulfillment of their hopes was coming 
Jesus was on his way. God was going to reveal his glory and all the world would see it. Identity. Identity is so important to us. And it was to the people in the first century as well. But where do we get identity? Where do we get our identity from? Now, the world is awash with ways that it proposes you can get identity, right? You know, maybe it's um, the proper clothes. Maybe it's in your possessions. Uh, maybe it's in your education or your class or your musical tastes. Right? People come up with all kinds of ways that we like to say you can get identity. And advertising will tell you that get this thing and you will be known as an important person or significant or beautiful or happy or whatever it happens to be. But is that really where we get identity from? No, not at all. And if we do get identity from that, what's the problem with it? It's temporary. It's temporary. For John, for John, all that was important in his life was his relation to God's plan of salvation. He was happy to be the voice, happy to be the voice, the voice of one proclaiming, make straight the way of the Lord. He identified himself in connection with the announcing of the coming of the Messiah. How about us? Where do we get our identity? What's important to us in life? What do we feel is the core of who we are? Is it something that's grounded on an eternal principle? Or is it something that can be shaken in the next stock market challenge or the next housing challenge? Where is our identity? Where does it lie? John challenges us to find our identity in God and in his redemptive plan. The beautiful thing is, there are verses and verses of scripture which speak about this being our identity. We are his children. We are his sons and daughters. God has redeemed us and set us free from this life of bondage to the ways of the world, this never-ending hamster wheel of trying to redefine ourselves and create an identity for ourselves. God has given us another way And that way is in identifying ourselves with him. That we are beloved, that we are forgiven, and that we are set free. May we receive this word today. Receive his grace and mercy and find our lives transformed by his love. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you. Thank you that you are the one who grants identity and that if we seal our identity in you and hold it fast in you, nothing can shake it. Nothing can take it away. Regardless of the difficulties of our lives or the challenges of the circumstances of our lives, Lord, our identity in you cannot be removed. We pray, Lord God, we pray that you would give us the strength to hold fast to this identity. Lord, and to not uh, be dragged into continually trying to re-identify ourselves or rebrand ourselves. Lord God, you are good. You are merciful and you are our loving Father. And we come to you today and ask that you would forgive us. 
Forgive us, Lord, of our addiction to the things of this world. Forgive us, Lord God, of our addiction to status or addiction to whatever it happens to be. Lord, we come to you and ask for your mercy and your grace. May your plan be sufficient for us. Help us to live it out in this world and proclaim your goodness that others might know the joy and the freedom of a relationship with you. And we pray this in Jesus' holy name. Amen.